Harry Butthole Podcast is produced in partnership with Joy Sauce. Harry Butthole. Welcome to Harry Butthole Podcast. This is a podcast based on the Korean saying, if you laugh while crying, hair grows out of your butthole. I'm your host, Youngmi Mayer. And, you know, the last few episodes I was traveling. I had sort of like a going back home vacation seems like the wrong word for that, like a travel moment, you know, since COVID. I have not been back to visit my parents in Korea And um, finally, I decided to go because for my son, Mino, who's now eight years old, the last time he's been back was 2019, right before the pandemic. And I thought this was a great chance to take him to the island of Saipan, which is where I spent, I I would say, probably most of my childhood, um, six to 16. And, you know, I've been putting all this content out. So I'm sure if you're listening to this, you also follow my social media and have seen the videos. And I thought this week um, would be a great chance for me to just do a solo episode and catch up on all my thoughts from the trip, sort of in like a long form way. And it always makes me feel weird to record solo episodes by myself, but I think you know, from what I've seen, the feedback on the content that that I created from traveling, I, I think a lot of people seem to like the fact that I am very open about sharing my problematic relationship to my parents. And just, you know, I think a lot of people usually sort of take away all the nuance when talking about family. And it's either they're completely cut off from their family you know, who have caused them a lot of harm, or they, you know, are 100% happy with their family. And, you know, they're just Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, no, no problems whatsoever. Never fought with my mom in my entire life. And for me, I've been very open about all the hardships that I've been through in my childhood because of my parents and my community. But also, I wanted to show that I, I still very much keep in touch with them. And I'm sure you've seen that in the videos. And I guess I wanted to dive into that more in this episode in hopes that the people who have similar backgrounds um, will find comfort or, you know, just relate to my stories. Because I don't think this is like a specifically Asian thing, but it is. I see more Asian people living with this. Actually, that's not even true because I think a lot of my non-Asian friends and even like white people, they have very problematic relationships with their parents and they still hang out with them and keep in touch with them. And I think a lot of that has to do with something that people don't really discuss, which is class, because I think just this is just my um you know, my perception, I don't know if this is 100% true. But I think when you are wealthier, you're more able to create a distance between you and your family. But if you're not, you know, you are dependent on each other for financial reasons, or, you know, cohabitation, and you don't really have the privilege of creating a boundary or space between the rest of your family, a lot of them who have caused you harm. And so you have to continue to live in their presence. And so I think, you know, it does have a lot to do with 
culture, you know, Asian culture and whatnot, but it also has a lot of other factors like, you know, fighting with your parents, but you know, you can't afford your own rent. So you, you have to deal with it. And so I'm going to just share some of the things that happen. They're really person <laughs> personal, but, um, but I, I hope that these stories will, you know, be inspiring for people who are in similar situations to know that all of, you know, family's complicated. And even if you are wealthy, maybe you don't want to cut your family off. Maybe it is important to, for you to have a relationship with your parents until, you know, one day where, when they're not here anymore, which is going to feel really sad. Anyway, so I, again, I know that, you know, I made a lot of content and I was in Korea with my parents and I was very concerned going into this trip that I would have like some sort of mental issues. Um, I The last time I was in Korea, actually, I, I believe it was the end of 2018. It might have been early 2019, but I was there and I had what I refer to as like a psychotic break. I saw hallucinations. I saw ghosts, which, you know, I'm I sometimes I'm like, am I am I a, a, a psychic? I don't know. But I was very concerned about my mental health. I felt really destabilized. And I think it had a lot to do with, you know, like going to the scene of the crime, you know, the place where all the trauma happened. And I was very concerned going into this trip because I knew I would be with my parents basically alone in their home for the better part of three weeks. Um, usually when I go to Korea, I plan it out so that I'm in Seoul most of the time because it's really fun and I party and I see my friends and then I just make a little short trip to see my parents. But this time I was like, I don't really have that much money. And also this whole trip is basically about reconnecting with them and letting them hang out with my son. So I plan for about three weeks, basically the entire time actually, alone with my parents. And I only, I did go to Seoul twice to do a comedy show and just to hang out with friends. And those two trips were so great. And I'm really sad that I didn't have enough time to explore that part of Korea more. Hopefully I, I go back soon. But the time with my parents actually was fine. And I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that I've made so much progress in therapy. You know, when I first started doing therapy um, regularly, it, it's been years now. It's probably been at least six years that I've been doing it regularly. I had such a like pent up um, rage and anger against my parents, specifically my mom. And, you know, I would go in and discuss all these things that had happened in my childhood. And it did very much feel like it was never ending rage. Like it felt like a fire that had like been sitting inside and someone lit it. And it just felt like it kept burning and burning and it would just never die down. And it and it really upset me because, you know, in the midst of these years of feeling so much anger and rage, I I had these like guilty shame feelings of knowing that one day my mom was going to die. And like, I don't you know, I didn't want to be in that headspace if that happened when that happened, like in this rage headspace. So I felt very much like, yes, I want to burn through all this pent up rage, but I also am terrified that it's never gonna go
go away and and then my mom's gonna die you know but I think going back to Korea this time it made me realize that it had burned off a lot and it it like gave me space to really look back and be like oh my god I did I have processed so much of it and I'm not so enraged and I'm fine even though I was like screaming and yelling at my mom every other every other minute um a lot of it is gone it's it's burnt off into you know the ether and and I am like so happy because I think during that um phase of therapy I was kind of like is this even worth it is it worth processing this shit if it's never gonna if the rage is never gonna go away and now that I'm on the other side I'm so happy that I went through those literal years um of feeling those feelings and you know I was very I was like judging myself really harshly when I was going through it like why am I why the fuck am I so angry like everyone goes through this like why don't I just like why can't I just get over it but now you know looking back I'm like because childhood was such a a long time do you know what I mean it was like years of this like every day you know receiving some form of you know, abuse, I know that's a strong word, but, you know, or some form of condescension or belittling or gaslighting, even though it's very, even if it was like very subtle, just, just like really understanding that from birth, you know, until I was an adult, I was receiving this sort of negative treatment from my parents. And, and of course it, it would take years for that anger to die down right like just looking back at just like the time frame do you know what I mean and it makes so much sense to me that it took that much time I I always remember this thing when when you know if you ever go through a breakup and you're feeling really sad people there's like this popular saying that you're it's gonna take like half the length of the relationship to recover So I don't know if that's true. So if it was like a six month relationship, it's going to take three months to recover, which personally for me, it's like one night out with the gals and some tequila shots and like sucking on someone's genitals that I don't know. And I'm and I'm fine. But, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it takes half the the time of of relationships to recover. And in, in that way, it's sort of that's what like it reminds me of. Like my childhood was so many years of me going through this bad stuff. So of course it took so many years for me to recover from it. Um, Anyway, like I said, going back there really was great because it did make me realize that it was fine. But I wanted to discuss certain things that happened that maybe will like shine a light on the types of things that I experienced as a child and like maybe will explain why I felt so enraged. Um, I think the biggest the biggest thing that I saw very clearly that I did not really understand, um, even when it was like mentioned in therapy, was that the way that my mom speaks to me, I, I always just thought it was, you know, it's it's a very negative way that she speaks to me. And I always thought it was because she was like constantly watching me and like judging and dissecting everything that I do. But I realized this trip so clearly that that is her internal dialogue and that she is speaking to herself and and she like doesn't even notice 
that she's seeing things out loud a lot of the times. Like um, something that I, I saw happening with my mom. And, and again, like this is all behavior because she's had a very traumatic life herself. Obviously, I had an episode where she talks about her life, um, which was two episodes ago on this podcast, if you want to listen to it. She's been through a lot of trauma. And I think it, uh, one way that it manifests in her thought process is every little decision that she has to make no matter how small whether it's you know should we eat um the pork chops in the fridge or should we make noodles for lunch she is like riddled with insecurity and like she is very unsure about which which choice to make because she would just sit there and she would like this is a real example right when we were in her home she would be like well if I don't make the pork chops I like defrosted them and they're gonna go bad and there's only like two more days until they go bad and if I don't make them that's a waste of money and I don't want to waste this food and throw it out and then and then she would be like but it's so hot today and I really want cold noodles and I really feel like eating cold noodles and I don't want to eat pork <laughs> she would just like go on and on about this like every single decision you know and then when and the interesting thing is when she made the decision, she'd be like, OK, we're going to make the cold noodles because we both feel like eating cold noodles. And then she would be like riddled with guilt about the pork chops going bad. And then she would like constantly talk about it. And like in the middle of eating the noodles, she'd be like, what did we do? Like, oh, my God. And I was just like and it was one decision after the other that she was just like obsessing over. And I just I just like had flashbacks to my childhood where it was like every waking moment was this like um unsure feeling that every step that I took was the wrong step and I, like I was just like questioning questioning it and analyzing it and you know obviously I think I'm not a professional but I think that to me seems like a trauma response like it just seems like somebody that's like in a heightened state of awareness um because of past trauma and the the heightened state thing was like a big realization I had during the trip because so you know I talk about this a lot but it's very hard for me to go to, go to Korea because Korean people say stuff like when I'm passing them on the street um, traditionally they just say anything like even if it's negative even if the other person can hear them but I think I get it a little bit more harshly because a lot of Koreans don't see me as Korean so they'll more openly or loudly say something very critical and very harmful um you know for example somebody will be like oh like she's like she's too big to wear that or she's like why does she just like the the things that i would never even consider they're just like why does she like walk so loud i don't i don't know and then um, because I can hear all these like critis critical things. It's just, it's just very hard to be surrounded by that constantly. And I always assume that everyone is constantly listening to everybody around them. Um, but then this, this trip back, I, I went out and I was like walking around, you know, the city and the town and I couldn't physically hear Korean people saying negative things about me and in my head I was like I have not walked past one person that said that I look like a hobo which people have said that about me before <laughs> or some, somebody saying something really really cruel about my hair color or my tattoos or whatever I hadn't like I had not heard one person saying stuff like that so in my head I was like 
did something happen in Korea where like some like the president issued a PSA like Korean stop talking shit on the street? Like that's what I was thinking in my head. It sounds so weird. But then I talked to my therapist and she said, actually, what that is a sign of is that you have like moved past this heightened sense of awareness that you had as, you know, somebody that's like a PTSD, like I don't want to use the word survivor, but like a victim of PTSD. She's she said that the, the, like that's just a sign that I've moved past this like trauma heightened sense of awareness. My brain has dropped that because there's a level of safety that I my brain feels in public, which I did not have before. And that fucking blew my mind. That was so fascinating because you know, all my life, I just was, I'm just terrified everywhere I go. And I would see people that seem very confident. And, and my, my like thought was that, oh, they can hear all this shit that the Korean people are saying about them, but they're so confident that they don't give a shit. You know, they're just walking by like, I don't care if you think I'm too fat to wear this. Like they just have confidence. But now what I'm realizing is that they, those people literally can't hear those things in the way that I could before when I was like, like heightenedly listening to every single sound that went around, like happened around me. And I just find that so fast. It's like my brain literally changed. Like I literally am no longer able to hear the mean ajumas at the market saying that I look really dark, like a farmer or whatever. Isn't that so fascinating? And that really like blew my mind. And then an incident happened. And this is like, makes me a little uncomfortable. But I think, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people's dads are like this. So it, it might be helpful for you to hear this. But my, you know, like my dad is just like an older guy. He's also getting very old now. So I think he's entering into like creepy old guy territory. Um, and so all, all of these like internal thoughts are coming out that used to be a little bit more shielded, right? And an incident happened where I was like walking down the street with my parents. And this has something to do with the fact that I can't see things anymore. Um, but there was like this guy, like a white guy on the street. And to me, he looked, because I, I looked at him after this happened, but to me, he looked like he was like on drugs, right? Like he was like high on something. I don't know what what he got in Korea because we all know it's illegal AF there. But somehow he got some drugs smuggled in from a butthole. And he looked like high AF sitting on the beach. And apparently I walked, I didn't see any of this. My mom told me this after. I walked past him and he said something to me, but I didn't hear. And... And then I remember turning around and seeing my dad sort of talk to him. And I was like, that's weird. And I just went home. And then when I got home, my mom was like, did you see what happened? And I was like, no, what happened? And she said, that like white guy that was like on the beach. And I was like, oh, I remember there was like that white guy that looked like he was really fucked up on drugs. And she was like, well, you walked by him and he said something to you like, hey, or something. And then your dad said, that's a pretty girl, huh? And then he was like, yeah. And then your dad said, that's my fucking daughter. And then like waved his fist around. And I was like, ew, ew. 
gross i hate i hate everybody i hate everyone involved in that story i'm so glad i didn't notice any of that going down anyway my mom was telling me the story and she was so upset she's like she was like that was so fucked up of your dad and i was like yeah it's creepy like why why is he being all like john wayne about it you know like i'm almost 40 like i can handle a a fucked up like i don't know drug doing like canadian guy do you know what i mean and i was like and also what if i wanted to fuck that guy you do you know what i mean like i'm single like why can't i flirt with the drug guy on the beach you know sounds like my type but um my mom and i were both really disturbed by my like dad's like like did these are my bitches kind of behavior um but then i and then we had this whole discussion about you know misogyny and men thinking that they have ownership over women and that's like right up my dad's alley and i was like oh i hate oh and then i think my mom was like really disturbed by it because like their relationship is sort of like misogynistic where she very much is like an object to my dad and she was like i'm the one that's supposed to be hit on and like your dad protects me not you and it was like weird like incestuous feelings that we were trying to process together and we were both like really upset about it but that's a long long story but but i think what was interesting about all that was the fact that i didn't even notice that fucking guy saying anything to me because like i like my head is like healed of a lot of trauma do you know what i mean so when i go out into the world i'm just like focused on important things you know um, whereas in my mom, I think is very much still in that very hyper vigilant, like trauma, anxiety headspace. And, you know, obviously I'm, it's like, obviously it's just a, what's that called? Like proof that the therapy and the work that I'm doing is really healing me in a way that I really did not think was possible. Like I never knew that I would have this level of comfort in public in korea like i i just thought i would be terrified and you know feel like shit all the time and it, it was very interesting to see the drastic difference of how my mom views the world and how i view the world now and um and you know i i just i just did not think that this is what was going to happen if i went to therapy and like the quote unquote healing i didn't know that that's what it was going to look like it's really fascinating. Um, let's see. What else did I say? Oh, I did have a... So that was like my one thing that I wanted. Oh, I did have like a very big fight with my mom. And I wanted to talk about that. Um, again, in hopes that this is helpful for people to hear. Um, oh, oh, actually, this is the one thing that I wanted to say about the how your brain sees the world differently when it's like healed and it literally it's it's literally like a different world you know like things just don't exist to me anymore that used to but another thing that I noticed along those lines is before I did a lot of therapy when I would go out in the world you know especially living in New York City I would have these day-to-day -day interactions that were really harsh you know like in new york you end up getting into these situations where someone's like fuck you and you're like fuck you fuck you you know like whatever and they would really bought they were like fester in me they would bother me to death and i notice now that those things just kind of like roll off my back because i have this this idea and this perception of myself that 
starts sort of within myself versus coming from other sources. Do you know what I mean? Like if somebody's like someone screams at me on the street in New York City, like, fuck you, you idiot. I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm a fucking idiot. And that would bother me, you know, for days, for weeks, probably. But now I'm like, I'm not a fucking idiot. You're an idiot. I don't care. Like, whatever. I made a mistake, whatever. And it just like rolls off me better, which is another thing I've noticed um, along the same lines. Anyway, let me just tell you about this one really big fight that I had my mom and then I'm going to um, go. But this might take a while. So like I said, part of my childhood, I grew up on an island called Saipan. It's in Micronesia. It's in the Marianas Islands. Um, it's in a chain of islands that also has Guam and Palau, which is famous. Other islands are Tinian, Rhoda, Yap. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting any. There's one more, but I forgot. Any, it doesn't matter. It's next to the Marianas Trench, which is like the deepest spot on Earth. I'm just trying to give you science facts so you know about Saipan. And the people that live there are Chamorro and Carolinian, um, who are people from the Caroline Islands. But it's just a little backstory. It's a really beautiful island. It's extremely beautiful. I forgot how beautiful it was. Um, but recently it's been going through like a economic recession because of COVID. But right before COVID, there was a big typhoon that like tore it down. So this is like the backdrop to my to the fight of me and my mom. Not that not that this is the background. I'm just like trying to like so give you a visual um, my, when I was growing up, my mom worked at this resort, which was like a really popular resort on the island. And I made, you know, a TikTok about it. And so I forgot somebody was like, oh, you're so privileged. And I was like, this is something that probably most people don't know. But Saipan is like a, a weird loophole where it's not technically America. So they don't have um, federal laws there. So the minimum wage is like $3. And I, I believe it's still $3. And that's what it was when we grew up. Um, and so we, you know, we made like no money. And my dad had like crippling depression. So he would just lay down at home for years, like just would be unemployed for years. And so we lived in this really like shabby house. And it was like really rough. Like our electricity got cut off all the time because we couldn't make payments. And then we would just like sit outside for like a month. It was just, it was, it was very intense. Like we had these like feral dogs that w were our dogs, but weren't, and they would attack people. It was just, it was rough. Um, so, th so that's like, so I'm revisiting this part of my life that was very hard. And there was a lot of like sadness and trauma and it's so jarring because it's so physically a beautiful location. And, you know, a lot of my friends still live there and they're very happy there. And they have like functional families and great houses and great lives. And like seeing that versus like what my life was there was very rough. And so then my mom and I got there and the first night she was like, oh, well, we're going to meet. I'm going to meet up with my all my Korean friends that still live here. And I'll. And I was like, well, since you're meeting up with your friends and we have a rental car, why don't you drink and I will drive because they're all your friends and I'm, I, I don't even care. I'm just like hanging out with Mino. So we're sitting at this big dinner and it's all these Korean people from my childhood that I grew up with, my mom's friends. And one of their, my mom's best friend's daughter, and she was there 
and her children were there and we were sitting and talking just sort of calmly and the other end of the table were all the old Korean people getting fucking lit up like a goddamn Christmas tree. They were just drinking so much soju. There was like four of them and I was just like just watching the bottles go down. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Anyway, so my mom... um something very traumatic happened to me on Saipan because of all these like I guess because of all the stuff that was going on in my family I tried to run away when I was 16 and this was a very traumatizing event in my life and I heard my mom's friend you know they're really drunk at this point and she said you know you had like a you had this job and yet you, you know we were like hanging out and one day you just like moved because after I tried to run away my family moved to Korea and her friend was like, why did you like move? And my mom jokingly said, oh, because young me tried to run away. She was so dramatic. And she was, you know how these like teenagers are. They're so fucking dramatic. And all of her friends started laughing. And I was sitting there just boiling with rage because that was like the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to me you know after I tried to run away like the cops took me and I had to like stay with like CPS and it was just like this whole traumatic episode of my life and I just remember sitting there looking at my mom and she's laughing about it with her friends and I won't get I don't want to get too into it because I don't you know it is a little personal and I'm like getting emotional but so after that happened, I was like holding it in for two days on Saipan. Wasn't really saying anything to my mom. And the next day, it was like the same thing over again. We went to dinner and it was all the Koreans and they're getting wasted. And my mom's like, don't drink. And I'm like, I don't I don't care about drinking, but I just don't want to sit here listening to this. It's like it's like uh, re-traumatizing me. And so after the second night, I... Oh God, it was literally, I held, I held it in for like a day and a half. And then I think it was the second dinner after the initial dinner where she said that I was like, you know, I have to talk to you about something. Why did you joke about that thing that happened to me? And of course, classic Korean mom. She was like, I never said that. And I was like, no. <laughs> and all those years of rage came like rushing back to me. I was like enraged. I was like, you did say it and it's okay that's it's fine that you said it but you can't like pretend that I made that up and that I'm crazy like I was like you you can't do that and that and that caused me to explode and it was very unfortunate because it was at the resort where she used to work at and a lot of her friends still work there and I they saw me screaming and they were like oh and um and so then that was our big fight but then afterward after the fight where i said you know you should you know like why did you joke about that that was like traumatizing for me she said that you know it was also very traumatizing for her and she did eventually apologize after first pretending that i made it up and and i have to say something i just want to say something about this like bringing up stuff that's hard to bring up to your parents and uh you know i know a lot of people reach out to me especially who have asian parents and they say that they'd like sort of shut down and gas like them and and pretend that it didn't happen and all the stuff that my mom did too i have to say that what usually happens for me when these moments happen when i bring up stuff to my mom she yes she reacts badly like she might gaslight me or deny it or you know make it about herself she'll be like she did do that too she was like oh it was harder for me and I was like okay mom all right um she did all those classic things but what I've noticed with my mom is that 
after a few days, she will process it and she will come to me and she'll be like, you were right. And I think that's very important. I think that's a very important lesson for people who are looking to confront their parents um, about painful things. But I also think it's a really important thing to hear for people who have children, because I also do the same thing. I mean, fortunately, not to that serious extent, but I have done things like that to my son before where he'll be like, this hurt my feelings or you said this and I'll be like no I didn't or that wasn't that bad or you know I'll like minimize his emotions and then later on I'll be like oh fuck I fucked up and then I'll go in and be like I'm sorry you were right and I've seen a, a like this like look of relief on his face or you know um of, of gratitude that I, I am able to come in and truly apologize and I think I think um being the the recipient of that from my mom is great because I'm like initially it really harmed me when she you know gaslit me but then the fact that she took three days really processed it and then came back to me and said that it was so meaningful to me because I was like she really fucking understands what I'm saying she really does and that is meaning that like means so much you know even if it's three days later and then also on the other side being the person that like has done that to my child. Yeah, I think it's like, you know, even if you fuck up in the moment and because of emotions, you say the wrong thing. We all have done that. It doesn't matter if you just go back in afterward and uh, and follow through and apologize. That will mean so much to the other person. And this is like, you know, maybe not even like to your kids, like other people, like your friends that you have a fight with. And I think that's like a good lesson. I, I'm Obviously, the, in a perfect world, I would want somebody to come up to me and say, you fucked up, you did this, you hurt my feelings, and my immediate response to be the good, correct response, which is, you're right. Yes, I did. Yes, that happened. I'm sorry. But a lot of times, you know, everyone's defensive. Nobody, it's it's hard to like accept that we fucked up. And so I, I do that all the time. I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. And I minimize but what I've learned is that it, it's okay that if you did the wrong thing in that moment, if you just follow through with, you know, the correct thoughtful response after and you shouldn't feel bad about it because it's human and we all do it. And it's, it, it's, I think, you know, another stepping stone of the whole processing my childhood trauma and like the forgiveness arc. I, I don't even forgiveness is not even in my vocabulary. I don't, I don't even think that's a real thing. Like what, what does that even mean? I don't know. I just mean like processing it and like making it livable for all the people to exist in the same sphere. Right. Um, in, in that story, I think it's a big factor in how, how I was able to do it to this extent is having my own kid and realizing that I do all the same, like not all of the same things, but I do a lot of the same fucked up shit too. So, you know, it, it really helps me see my mom in a new light. Anyway, that was about it. That was about all the emotional stuff in my trip. I don't know if there's anything else. Um, I, Actually, because very, very much thanks to people who support this podcast and my content. As you know, I like missed my first flight to Korea and then I asked people for money and then people sent me a lot of money. So I bought a new ticket. But then the the initial airline did refund me in miles, like airplane miles that I like I can use. 
So I bought a ticket actually to Thailand in January. Thank you. But I was like, I just, I'm, I, I feel bad saying that. I'm sorry. I couldn't use it for anything else. But I bought a ticket to Thailand and I was like, oh, maybe this will be like a way. I was going to take Chan Sopa and I was like, Chan, we're going to go. And then she canceled. And now it's like, oh, I'm, I guess I'm taking a trip for myself, which makes me feel like shit. But um, I'm going to go visit my friend Oak's family home. And so hopefully I'll make like interesting content. I haven't really been there. So I mean, I, I just felt like, you know. In part, I went to Korea because of help from people who support this podcast and my content. So I was like, while I'm there, I have to make content. I feel like beholden to do that. So hopefully that'll be fun. Um, I'm also, I was supposed to keep doing live shows in the fall, but I'm a little busy because I have a few projects and I feel bad because I feel like the live shows are a lot of fun, but hopefully I'll get that up and started again. Uh, anything else happening I'll like let you know if I'm doing any stand-up shows in New York City and you know I have like so much free time at night now that I'm not doing comedy so I'll like don't worry I'll like plan something so that there's more interaction with people who listen to this podcast because I feel like that portion of it is a little lacking but thank you again for supporting I have a Patreon that famously now famously I don't do anything on but if you want to support this project it's patreon.com slash feeling oh, no no sorry patreon.com slash hairy butthole podcast um i'm terrified if you go to patreon.com slash hairy butthole that's probably a very different kind of patreon and of course we have an instagram please follow at hairy butthole podcast and these episodes are found exclusively on joy sauce you already know that and I feel like I'm at the end of the like the school essay about the about the Civil War. And I'm at like 125 words and I need 150 words or I don't even know. I'm at 985 words and I need a thousand. So I'm just filling up space. But I just want to thank you once again. And let me know um, if you have any suggestion for guests. Hopefully I'll have a few good ones coming up and I'll see you next week. Bye.